0: We are currently studying verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. Mark emphasizes Jesus' role as the servant king who came to lay down his life so that we could be saved. We pray that these studies encourage and strengthen your faith. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue studying the life and work of Christ. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we always ask, Lord, that as we pause before considering the Bible's words, we recognize it. These words are living and alive. As your word describes the word of God as a sharp, like a scalpel that can go down deep where our soul and our spirit divides. (laughs) That's deep, Lord. Do, Do that transformative work in us, give us the comfort, the peace, the wisdom that we need to have a blessed life. Because we not only hear your word, but we practice it. We put it into to uh, practice every day. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Well, if you've been following the last few weeks, um, we are in round four and round five of a five-round. Uh, Match, I should say, if we're talking about boxing, Uh, there are five (laughs) clashes that Jesus has with these so-called authorities uh, that Mark has done us the favor through the uh, anointing of the Spirit, of the inspiration, I should say, of the Holy Spirit to line these up in chapter 2, spilling over into chapter 3 a little bit of showing Jesus as the Son of God making these wonderful, outrageous claims to be equal to God and backing that up with miraculous uh, deeds and healings and making those claims, and it was causing the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, to take issue with him. And so what I find interesting as we get started here is so ironic that the ones who are hostile to Jesus... Are the so-called religious leaders, not the ordinary people. The general population, it's saying in the word, they delighted to hear him. They were, it said they were on the edge of their seats, as it were, hanging on every word, you see, because Jesus came and to talk about the to loving God, God's love for people. He came to talk about forgiveness of sins and how to have everlasting life, while the religion of the Pharisees, as we've been seeing, the religious leaders of the day, had turned uh, relationship with God into a nightmare of rules and regulations. It was definitely no fun uh, to walk with God under their Uh, dictates and their instruction. And so uh, we've been looking at those clashes. And as I said, it's time for uh, the fourth and the fifth one that we're going to handle together. And in the fifth uh, round, as it were, uh, the Herodians are going to get involved, which led me to start thinking, well, I got to explain who all the bad guys are in the gospel because they're going to be popping up everywhere always dogging Jesus and trying to trap him. And so let me introduce you to them. All right. So here's a chart. The Supreme Court of Israel at that time was called the Sanhedrin. And Jesus will have to appear before them. Uh, They are responsible for religious life. And they are also responsible for civic government. And so they're really the religious police, and they're also the police in, uh, in a secular uh, understanding of that term. And the word just means sitting together or council, right? And so there were 70 of them. They got that from uh, Moses appointing 70 elders to lead Israel back in the Old Testament. So they came up with that number. There were 70 of them. So when you hear the term ruler or elder, we're talking about the council, and of the council there were three general types of councilmen there were the pharisees let's talk about them first the pharisees were <laughs> were the only hope israel had because they were the true bible believers um, but it just goes to show you, you could believe the word of God and not have a relationship with God. There are plenty of scholars today that probably know the Bible better than I, but they're not <laughs> linking that knowledge with faith. And so that they're not personally engaged in the, in the truth about God that they teach. And so these, uh, whenever you see experts of the law, the King James called them lawyers well, they're not lawyers in the sense that we would think of that. They are, the law means the Bible, the scriptures. The law was God's uh, n- nickname for <laughs> his commandments and, quite frankly, the entire uh, word of God. And so they're also called scribes. Scribes really were the copyists. Uh, they they uh, maintained the scrolls and they uh, copied them and, and uh, kind of made sure everything was accurate. So these are all the same guys. The rabbis, rabbi means my master. They were like the regular teachers that you would find in the synagogues. The laymen who had a knowledge or a calling They would be like the local pastor, but only uh, in this case, they (laughs) didn't always practice what they preached. And that's why you have the seven woes to the Pharisees in particular because they had elevated rules and regulations and made life with God about what you can't do, what you can do, uh, into a very restrictive, (laughs) burdensome thing. They were the seven woes, verbal spankings. Jesus just calls them a bunch of snakes. Ask them, how are you ever going to escape going to hell? Jesus asking these so-called religious leaders those questions, they were all about, look at me. Look how holy I am. I'm superior to you. Look at how, what a good person I am. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. Jesus said, oh, you love when people call you rabbi, you know, and, and you do deeds just so that people look at you and think well of you. Let me tell you a quick story about these guys. They were called the bruised and bleeding Pharisee. Here's what they would do. They would close their eyes to avoid lusting at a pretty girl and then would end up banging their head into something (laughs) because they're walking. So now, when people saw the contusion, they would say, you know, I was trying to be holy, I was in the marketplace the other day, and you know this girl walked by, I shut my eyes because you know how holy I am. And I walked right into this beam, and oy vey, look at me already. So listen, oh, this is going to blow your mind. So then it became a statement to have contusions. And so they would privately bat themselves on the head so that somebody would see a little, hey, is that swelling oive, you know? I was just trying to be holy, holier than you guys, you pagans out there who actually open your eyes and walk around and see where you're going. Yeah, this is what Jesus had to deal with. And this is why he came down with seven swats. Calling them a brood of vipers. Wow. He said, here's your problem, and I'm digressing, but that's my problem. (laughs) He, he, He said, not only are you not going to heaven, but you're tripping up people who think that a relationship with God is following your dictates and you're making it hard for them to enter. So, yeah, Jesus was not happy with that Sadducees. Now, the lawyers or the teachers of the law, so you can think of that they were the lawyers, okay? So because they were fair, you see. <laughs> These Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. It's helpful. <laughs> well, all right. So the Sadducees, anytime you hear Caiaphas, Annas, any priest, they're all Sadducees, right? And they were corrupt. Oh, they're behind the money changing in the temple. That's them. Anything that went on in the worship of the sanctuary of that, and so people would come for Passover, and they'd say, you're bringing that? How do we know it's even a kosher lamb?" You know, so listen, we have lambs, lucky for you, and, and and so for fifty shekels, I'll tell you what, for you forty-five shekels, we'll give you a kosher lamb, and oh, you're gonna pay for it in that pagan money, because they'd come from all over. Oh no, 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 you have to use shekels. So we'll charge you a fee on top of the fee for a fee. Right. And so Jesus went in there and just <laughs> went to the tables and said, OK, this is going to be over now. <laughs> and uh, so that's them, you know. And, and of course, they asked the resurrection question because they don't believe in the resurrection. So that's all starting to make sense here. And the Herodians will make an appearance today in our last little scenario. The Herodians are pure politicians. They just are pro herod who is under Rome, and so all they are are they're, they're just politicians. And when I said that in first service, there were boos and hisses. <laughs> and you are much holier than them. <laughs> just say, or I'll just say this you had, at least you restrained yourselves <laughs> much better. And so, ah, doesn't this make sense? Who comes to Jesus uh, in the temple courts and says, teacher, we've got this question. Is it right? Is it lawful for Jews to pay taxes to Caesar? Oh, that's such a trap question. But of course, it's the politicians who are being funded by Rome. And so they're asking the question. And, you know, just to digress further, (laughs) uh, Jesus answered the question by saying, show me one of those coins. And it had a picture of Caesar. And he said, okay, give what is Caesar's. It has his face on it. Give it to him. But give God what's God's. So minted coins in the image of Caesar, give to him. But a minted soul by its creator, give God what his due is. And then it says, and they stopped asking him questions. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. And so those are the bad guys And uh, for the setting, and they will pop up over and over again. So, thank you for that. So, let me tell you the the context now. Really, uh, these last two clashes uh, that Mark's going to put back to back, really, just to kind of expose the idiocy, the nonsense, the hypocrisy, and the absolute. You will just, you won't even believe their thinking by the time we're done this morning, that those people think the way to please God and, and why we're lumping four and five together is because they're similar issues and there's a similar answer, and it all revolves around what does it mean to keep the fourth commandment? Let's look at these two stories. One Sabbath, the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath day holy. One Sabbath, Saturday, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharise- Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them and said, haven't you ever read in First Samuel chapter 21 what <laughs> David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered into the house of God, the tabernacle at the time, and ate the communion bread, which is only lawful for the priest to eat. And not only that, he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, and so he always responds and then gives a lesson. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, So the Son of Man is a title Jesus gives himself from Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, which says the Son of God will actually look like a man. So he got the nickname Son of Man because who is this God coming through the clouds? He looks like a human being. So that's where the Son of Man comes and they know what he's saying. He's calling himself the Son of Man. So the Son of Man is Lord. Even On Saturday. (laughs) All right. So now we go to round five, the closing round, and it's again about the Sabbath. Another time, he went to church, just small gathering of Jews, synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand, palsied for some reason, was there. Some of them, the Pharisees, were at church looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, "Stand up here, center stage in front of everybody." Then Jesus asks, "Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill?" but they didn't feel like answering. Him. <laughs> <laughs> so he looked around at them in anger. Wow, that's a really rare thing with Jesus. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the guy, "Stretch out your hand." He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the politicians. The 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 people who could do the deed to get this done. We need some help from Rome. Uh, How they might kill Jesus. So those are the two stories. We'll take the first one and take a look at it. And and they divide quite nicely both ways. We're going to just walk through the offenses laid out, what Jesus is saying or his disciples saying or doing that uh, causes the Pharisees to have a hissy fit. And then the, there will be a, <laughs> there'll be a response. And then Jesus likes to make it a teaching moment. And he'll say, therefore, here's the motto of the story. So he makes it very easy for us. Well, there's no way you're going to understand. And thank you. You can put the um, first part here, the offense. There's no way you're going to understand the offense unless you understand what, it, what the Sabbath is all about. For 3,400 years, 14 of those hundred years uh, were uh, in the Jews have been enjoying this institution, the sacred institution of Shabbat. Shabbat in the Hebrew means to stop or to cease. It was God's gift to His people to take one day of the seven. For rest, relaxation, to cease from your labors and to worship the Lord, to reflect on his goodness. And the first one was there in Exodus 16, where they just the Lord just busted his people out of 400 years of cruel bondage, relentless suffering. And on their way out, he said, let me tell you about this gift, man. Once a week, I just want you guys to take the day off. Think about me. Be thankful. Do good deeds. And just rest. You don't have to axe to the grindstone, nose to the grindstone, rat race. This isn't a rat race. You belong to me. I don't have to be worrying all the time. I got to go, 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 go. Make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. Now, now, the other nations who am not calling to that, the other nations who worship frogs and mountains and rocks or carve a piece of wood and then bow down to it, they got to keep work, 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 work. You better 24-7 if, if a frog is your God, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Right? Amen? Are you with me? <laughs> You you know, you you need to be working. Uh, But you're my people, so you're able to say, take a day to remind you, I'm going to knit it into the the flow of your life, that every week you just stop and remember what I'm here for, who made me. Is it all about money and business and, and pressures of life and daily necessities? No, we have a God who loves us, redeemed us out of slavery and sin has eternal life and a coming kingdom. And he's got stuff for us to do, to love on one another and carry each other's burdens. Yes, I want a whole day of nothing but rest, relaxation, and doing good things. Well, you would think that'd be easy enough to understand, but since ignoring God and living for self-interest is so deeply ingrained in every single human heart. God has to codify this gift into law and make it the fourth commandment, which I find hilarious and a very telling statement of how messed up human beings are. He has to command us to take a day off (laughs) or else... You know, I want you to take a day off. Stop working. Think about God. Be loving. Enjoy time with your family. He has to say, thou shalt. (laughs) Really? That's the way all his commands are, which is terrible, because he has to command us. he, he, He says this. Today I lay out death and life, and then command form in Hebrew. Choose life. It's a command. He has to command us to go to heaven. And he has to command us to avoid hell. That is sad. (laughs) And if anybody ends up in hell, it's because you disobeyed his command to be saved. He commands us. Thou shalt be happy. (laughs) Thou shalt not destroy yourselves. He has to put it into law because why? Because we're bent by sin. That every cell in our bodies wants to commit mutiny. (laughs) Amen? Let's just be honest at church. He already knows anyway. So (laughs) Exodus 20, the full on, it's the longest of the commandments. He just says, listen, six days your work. Seventh, you stop. So if you want to call the Sabbath the stopping, you'd be okay. No work, you know, family. He says, even give your livestock the day off for crying out loud, you know. <laughs> but you know what that is all about. Yes, he cares about the livestock, but he's saying, I know if you don't rest the livestock, you won't be resting. So just, so just want quiet. It's good for you. You'll live longer and be happier. And, and so he does this. Now, the problem there are a few specifics because God thinks people have has common sense, you know? And so he's thinking, I'll give you a few guidelines. I'll give you four guidelines or three guidelines, and you guys get it, right? He's saying, you know, like for example, gathering wood for a fire and prepping for meals. That in the ancient times is an all day affair. And he's sparing the ladies from getting up at, oh, dark 30, gathering all the kindling all day long, cooking, prepping, cutting, chopping, boiling, checking the fire, and all of that. He says, you know what, ladies? None of that. Do the food before, so that's what I mean, none of that. Then it's the gentleman. He says, no business transactions. No, do do not, you know, know, put in a pool for somebody. Do not fix a fence. Do not do these things. You know, I'm just making stuff up, but you you get the point. All right. And then he'll go on to say carrying loads. You know, the, the point is whatever would cause you to be distracted and heavy and a drag. Just give it up. It'll be there. The mound of dirt will be there tomorrow, gentlemen. And so that's what he's saying, okay? Now, here's the deal. The Pharisees, enter the Pharisees. 200 years before Jesus appears, you got the Pharisees and the rabbis and the Sanhedrin, okay? And they're coming in. Here's what they said. We're the experts. We're going to tell you what God meant when he said don't work. So what they came up with is something called the Mishnah. The Mishnah was oral tradition of all the Pharisees and the experts, and they told you by thousands what you could do and what you couldn't do, not just on Saturday, but in entire Judaism. But Saturday, the Sabbath, the stopping, was their favorite thing to write laws. They had laws for laws, (laughs) you know, it would just, they just turned it into a nightmare. And what they did, and Jesus called them out for it, they elevated the oral tradition, the Mishnah, above the scriptures. So now you'll see that Jesus never broke the Sabbath as handed down from Moses. They weren't out fishing on, on, on the Sabbath, Jesus never broke the Sabbath. He broke the Mishnah, the rules, the crazy oral traditions and interpretations. He broke the crazy things. And let me tell you some of the crazy things he broke. And I'm glad. Wow, bizarre. Here, here's a little something. A man on the Sabbath could not, could car- could not carry something in his right hand or his left hand across his chest or on his shoulder. Got it. But you could carry something on the back of your hand. Because why? I'm not lifting. I'm not carrying it. I'm balancing it. So if you really needed to, you could get away without, so they'd be walking around like this. Oh, it goes on. Hold on. On the back of your hand or with your foot. You could balance it on your foot. Okay, you're not carrying it. It happens to be on your foot. You happen to be moving. It's going with you. You know. <laughs> your elbow on your elbow. That get harder. Okay, uh, in your ear. In your hair, if you had some. In the that wasn't. You didn't need to laugh so hard. It's a little laugh. A little laugh would have been accepted. or in the hem of your shirt or in your shoes or sandal so let me go on (laughs) you couldn't sew more than one stitch you couldn't write more than one letter and I don't mean a missive I mean a letter, the letter B done so that letter better (laughs) say a lot (laughs) because you only get one of them And then you weren't allowed to take more than 1,999 pieces. And they measured that out. They looked at some Old Testament passage and they got out 800 meters constitutes a journey because the Lord said, you know, could you refrain from doing business trips is really the spirit of it, right? So they measured out a journey at a half a mile. And here's what they did. They said, listen, it's hard for you people who don't know the law as well as us, uh, to know what half a mile is. And so if you go to the, our Jewish bookstores here, you will find, and we blessed it, to a piece of string that we measured off exactly 1,999 paces, and for 12.99 in shekels, for 12.99, and for you, we'll make it 10, all right? You can buy an already measured out string and so, if you're worried about breaking the Holy Sabbath, we wouldn't want that, right? Because you could, right? So, here's the string. You put it in your pocket on Saturdays, and if you need to walk, you just start letting it out. So, you just walk, let it out. Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Whoa! I'm about to break the Sabbath. I've never been out here. Wow. <laughs> it's scary. I'm <Coming> back. <laughs> So they let it out, let it out, let it out. So, so while they're doing this with the string, right? They're doing this. Jesus shows up and says, give me that. You know, hold it right, you know, and put away your strings. Put away the string. Are you kidding me? That's what Jesus did. And they said, you're breaking the Sabbath. He said, no, I'm not. I'm helping them avoid your insanity. Are you kidding me? And that's what they call breaking the Sabbath. It was all of their rules. So here we are. It's Saturday. Jesus and the disciples are on their way somewhere. Now, what's the problem? How are they breaking the Sabbath? You're looking at it. Well, they could have got them on the journey thing because they're, taking, they're traveling somewhere, and it's more than a half a mile. So they can't use that one. Why? Oh, because the disciples, especially Peter, he's the sassy one. They already know what, they, what Peter will say. They'll say, huh, going somewhere? Whoa, look at that. And then Peter will say, if we're breaking the Sabbath, so are you. Because they're following them. <laughs> oh, don't you, aren't you wondering how they knew they're in the same grain fields? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, funny running into you guys here. (laughs) Listen, secrets, surveillance, or spying on one's enemy is not a modern-day phenomenon. (laughs) They're spying. You think they're in church to worship God? The, The next scenario says they're sitting in church. Oh, praise the Lord with motive in their heart to gather evidence against Jesus. And so they're spying on him. So they can't use the journey thing. How about picking grain from a field that doesn't belong to them? Hello, stealing. Oh, no, no, no. They know they're smart. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 25 says, Listen, if you're traveling, you're hungry, you can pick. And he told farmers, which was just about everyone, do not harvest from the outer edges. Leave some of that for people passing by. They're hungry. The markets are far away. Let them glean. Don't pick every single apple and every single grape. He tells them this in the law. Because let people come by and they're hungry. They pop something in their mouth. This was fine. But uh, in the law, funny, it says no buckets. <laughs> you can't grab a bucket and say, you know, I'm just passing through. I'm a little hungry, you know. <laughs> and you couldn't use a sickle. So you couldn't use tools. You couldn't use a bin. But if you're just popping by with common sense, you know, and they grew it for you, for, for needy travelers, go ahead and help yourself. So check. Ah, oh, we can't get them on that. What can we get them on? Oh, they are caught red-handed working. They're working. How are they working? Well, Luke and Matthew go on to show you. Let me say it. Matthew's the first, we're hungry, and Luke is the additional information, the second. So they're hungry and they're rubbing their hands together and eating the kernels. So what's going on? Well, they're breaking the Sabbath in four ways. They're reaping, watch, reaping. They're threshing. All right? They're winnowing. You're blowing, separating the chaff from the kernel so you can eat something that tastes good and not like the shell, right, or the husk. That's called winnowing, right? And they're preparing food. You're not supposed to prepare food. You're supposed to do that yesterday, right? So he says, (laughs) four violations of the Shabbat in one mouthful. And what? You have to say for yourself, Jesus, because we caught them red handed, with your permission, they're your disciples, feeding their greedy little mouths. Now, you know the guys are like, (coughs) coughing up the little grain that they managed to get down. Why? These guys could kill you. Have you killed? They'll have you excommunicated. You're excommunicated from the synagogue, you're done. You're like a leper. You you don't. Your family can't talk to you. you Can't you? Can't do business. You can't do anything. So they could kill you by excommunicating you. But they could kill you. They're the cops. They're the religious police. They can just order it. Look, blasphemy, and they'll haul you off and stone you right then and there. So the disciples are intimidated, and Jesus is going to stand up for them. Here's Jesus' response. He answers, uh, haven't you guys ever read this in 1 Samuel 21, what David did when he was hungry and in need, and uh, he did this, not only did he eat, but he gave some to his disciples, as it were, and so we're going to look at this. Now, this is so beautiful. Jesus is validating his actions in life by what's right or wrong by going to the word of God. You see? So what you think, what you feel, what you say, what you do, the only way that you will ever know, did I do it right, did I do it wrong, is the standard God has given us called the Bible, the Word of God. That is what he turns to, and he says, you can justify yourself in the eyes of men, criticism, critics, and in God's sight by opening the verse up and saying, there it is. That's why I do this. That's why I don't do this right here. That's what Jesus did. He said it's okay to use the word of God. And here's what he's really saying. I have a question for you guys. You're asking me a question. Can I ask you one? Do you guys read your Bibles? Now, seriously, you, you know, come on. If you spent more time reading and understanding the word of God instead of the other things you're reading... You'd have your answers. You'd have, this is what he's saying essentially, you'd have less questions, less confusion, uh, less uh, stumbling blocks, and less problems with me because the scriptures testify of me. John chapter 5. The scriptures are all, all the Hebrew scriptures are pointing to Christ. Here I am, yet you refuse to come to me. Probably because you're not reading. You're not taking time to understand uh, the scriptures. And so Jesus uses 1 Samuel. Let's, long story short, King David is on the run from crazy King Saul. Crazy King Saul's jealous of David. He's going to wipe him off the face of the earth. And for eight years, these are the early days, but for eight years, from David's 22 to age 30, he's running for his life living in caves and hideouts and all of this. One day, he's just nearly dead. Saul's right on his, on, on, on his trail. He's starving. He goes to the tabernacle to find help. And he goes in, and the high priest is there, Abiathar, and he says, oh, is there any food? Oh, oh, Saul's right there. We're starving. We need energy. We got, all oh, the only thing we have on hand is the communion bread. Which is only lawful for priests to eat. Oh, yeah, hold oh, on, huh? God, God knows. God knows. And he eats it and he gives it to his disciples because what's important is not religious dogma or, or uh, ritual, it's man's need. Man's need, mercy, justice, goodness. Loving deeds, random acts of kindness. Those are things that are more important than sacrifice. He says, he, Matthew says, you guys need to go and learn what Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6, same passage, but Matthew's adding something Mark abbreviated. So he tells the Pharisees, what would really help you guys if you figured out Hosea 6.6? Six, six. And Hosea six, six says, I don't desire sacrifice. I desire mercy. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's saying, the offerings you bring, if it's not from a heart that loves people and cares about people, he says, you're doing church and you're being obnoxious to people. You're being rude. You're withholding money. You are you live in unforgiveness. You're just hard-hearted people. And he says... I. I'm not asking for sacrifice for church going and for offerings. I'm asking for a heart that cares about people and God and faith. That's what they're missing. And so that, that was the whole problem. And I like that Jesus stands up for us always. So they come. We're, we got a problem with your boys. And Jesus says, okay, I've got this. Let me defend you guys. And so he does. Listen. G- Jesus will say that's God's job we we, Father Son and Holy Spirit God defends his people he says when you're up against a, the wall and you're being persecuted he says no worries the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say and who is the Holy Spirit he's called the Spirit of Christ God's always looking out for us he's taking care of us and he speaks for us on our make, on our defense I just love that here and so he just ends up saying, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures. And that's why, let me explain to, to, to you what happened here. It was okay because human need trumped uh, the religious ritual, not only the, the priest The communion bread, can I just add this? The bread of the presence were 12 big, fat, wonderful loaves of Middle Eastern bread, 12 of them. And they were baked on the Sabbath and they were put in the holy place to represent God's covenant with Israel to say, we will sit down at a table. When you bring in the lamb, you offer that lamb as a sacrifice and that blood is poured out and that lamb dies because of your sin, then we will sit down and break bread together. So it was looking that bread is a type of Christ who will say, I am the bread of life. He meant I'm that bread. It's a picture of me. Right. So that's just a a beautiful thing. And so David is free to eat the communion bread, even though if he had just walked in and said, hey, I'm hungry. What's that? You know, I just ate yesterday. You know, and it's a long way home. You guys got anything here? Oh, that would be wrong. But the situation was a speeding yeah, the speed limit, it's a good law. It really is. Some of you don't agree with that, but <laughs> it's a good law. But when you've got somebody in the car who's bleeding to death, the speed limit is irrelevant. She's having a baby. You know, you know, you're not gonna get a ticket for that unless there's a problem. And the guy's a Pharisee. Then you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get. A ticket, no offense to all you police officers, and <laughs> there are a few of them. We're surrounded. I'm No one's going to pop his head in and look at me now. From the, That's okay. So you, you, you get the idea. And so that's what's happening here. And so now to this, the scriptural precedent that he's making. Then he said to, I uh, love this, the Sabbath, let me get to the bigger problem, you guys. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even on the Sabbath. Here's what he's saying. He, he's saying you've got, you have elevated this thing of church observance more than people, more than love, more than mercy. You've made you. You, you would think that the Sabbath is God. And we're, a man is coming in, They're like, oh, it's the Holy Sabbath, and we can't do this. It's not a straitjacket, gentlemen. It was a gift. Man was created on day six. The Sabbath came on seven. Man's the important thing. Mercy's the important thing. Doing good deeds is the important thing. Not the rules of the Sabbath. And that was their big problem, elevating all of these do's and don'ts over. And then he says, listen, this will blow your mind if you were them. He says, it's not so much that they're okay, because I pointed back to David, King David, and it was okay for him because, you know, the circumstance. He's saying, yes, but really, the real reason it's okay for them to eat is because I was with them them and i happen to be lord i'm lord he calls himself the son of man the son of man as i said daniel seven fourteen. like who is this god coming down from the heavens he looks like one of us he and called them the son of man because he's the son of god slash son of man who is this they knew he was mighty he was wonderful counselor These is hebrew scriptures Almighty God, they knew he was deity. So Jesus is saying, because I'm the Lord of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'm also the Lord of Saturday. And here's what even is more mind-boggling. He's saying that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Because I made the Sabbath. Because by me, all things have been created. Because I am the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. For Jesus created everything that exists and upholds all things by his power in the universe. Holds together in Jesus. So he's just pointing out. He's saying, the Son of Man is Lord. That's not just... (laughs) At the Son of Man is Lord, he's saying, I'm God. I'm with these guys. I can tell them what to do on Saturday, and I could tell them what to do on Christmas, Easter, and Veterans Day if I wanted to. (laughs) Just threw that in, you know. But then he says, not only am I Lord of the universe, and every knee shall bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth those who have perished and gone to hell, which is really called Hades right now, they will, every single knee will bow and every single tongue will say that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is Lord, even of Saturday, even in the church world and all your regulations. Well, you know, on several occasions, the Jews stopped what they were doing, picked up stones, and said, we're going to kill you. And Jesus asks, in that famous John 10 version, says, why, and I, I bring this up a lot because it just expresses the point and the truth. Why are you going to kill me? Jesus says, wow, they're trying to kill him. What are you trying to kill me for? Which of my good deeds are you going to stone me? And they say, it's not about your good deeds. Get okay? this rock over here. It's because you A mere human being, make yourself out to be God. What else, what other option does God in a body have? (laughs) He'd be lying. But instead he says, if you believe in me, you'll never die. If you believe in me, you'll have the light of life because I'm the light of the world. If you believe in me, you'll have everlasting uh, water and joy believe in me, I'm the bread of heaven. I'll satisfy every longing. If you believe in me, wherever two or three gather, I'll show up there. If you believe in me, <laughs> yeah. And then he'd walk on water and raise up a dead person and say, see, I told you. All right. <laughs> on another time. And this is sort of a PS because we've already done the, uh, done the groundwork. Another time he goes into the synagogue and there's a man there with a, with a handicapped hand. He can't use his hand however that happened or was born that way. Who knows? And some of them are a spying, sitting there waiting to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. By the way, the word watched there isn't just watched. It's a malevolent intent to catch somebody doing something wrong. And so there's some malevolence involved in that word. And now, listen, attitude when you go to church will make or break. And they have a chance of a lifetime to escape. When Jesus says, how are you going to escape the condemnation of hell? Here it is, because they've got God in a body. He's going to do a sermon illustration with this guy. He's going to reason with them with the unmitigated unadulterized word of the living God straight out at their hearts. It's the one shot they have, and, but they went into church with the bad attitude. And the right attitude in church will, in, will embrace truth that can set your heart free. The wrong attitude in church, chip on the shoulder, already decided, will deflect the truth. And it won't matter if God himself were standing there and did a miracle in front of you. In fact, just sharing the gospel the other day, ran into somebody, invited them to Easter. We we, we went at it for about an hour. You know, It was pretty good, pretty intense. And he said, listen, I may just come, but I'm just going to tell you right now, even if I like it, even if I like it, and and I like the music, and I like it, even if I get what you're saying, I'm never going to change. And I said, then don't bother coming, because you're right. You never will change because you already decided before the jury comes out, you already said guilty. So why why listen to the jury? Why even bother? Don't come because your attitude, well, if I saw a miracle, he said that. Well, if I saw a miracle and I said, Judas saw lots of miracles, but he already decided this isn't the kind of Messiah I want. I want a guy who's going to start sticking knives into the Roman politicians and deliver us from Rome. That's who I'm looking for. So it doesn't matter what Jesus does for three years in front of Judas or for three years in front of these guys. Because they came in to church with the understanding, I don't like you. I feel threatened. Uh, I just put up the wall. Go ahead and do your thing. But I'm not going to change. And that attitude, you will find people sadly, there will be people who have perished because they <laughs> had that attitude that deflected the words that would lead them to eternal life. And so here they are, they're sitting, and Jesus just takes charge as we wrap things up here. Listen, he takes charge. He says, hey, listen, you've been asking the questions <laughs> I know what you're all thinking. You're sitting there, and I, I just want, I hear you. And he sees the guy. The, the coolest thing about this is the guy's not asking. Jesus knows, oh, they're here to see if I'm going to heal. And so Jesus is looking around, and he sees this guy. He goes, oh, perfect. And he says, you, with the hand, stand up. Come on over here. And he pulls this guy with the palsied hand up, and he's about to use him as a sermon illustration. So he says, I've got a question for you. Let's talk about Sunday services, okay? Saturday services. Which do you think God would prefer that God's okay with on Saturday? That we do good, that we alleviate somebody's nightmare, their lifelong struggle, a guy can't, you know, hold his babies. He can't hold a shovel to work. His wife's gonna help him all the time. But if we could do something to help that kind of guy, if we were merciful and kind and did good deeds or saved a life, would that be okay with God on, even though, you know, it's Saturday, you think he'd be okay with that? Or how about, and he's, he's talking to them, second scenario. He's saying, or is it okay on Saturday in church to be plotting to kill someone? See, they were but he's calling them out because he knows what they're thinking. And he says, I just want to know, on Saturday, is it, which would be better to do? To set somebody free from some illness or weakness or demon oppression, which he had been doing on the Sabbaths? Or sit in church and think about how you could kill an innocent man? (laughs) Like you're doing. And so... They're like this. We're going to answer you. They're silent. So Jesus gets angry. He's like, why will you go to hell when you don't have to? So even in his anger, which is only used at the religious hypocrites, never at tax collectors or sinners or ordinary people, never, not once, always with the experts who were hindering other people. And in his anger, you see couched compassion. You see him looking out long at them like, oh, oh yeah. he's not willing that any perish, but that all come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4. 2 Peter three verse nine says, God is not willing that anyone perish, but everyone come to repentance and have life. So, Jesus' heart is broken. Yes, he has righteous indignation. <laughs> Come on. Change your attitudes, man. That means repent. Change your mind. Don't perish. Come on. And so he says, which, well, which would you do? Which is God saying, two thumbs up? Heal the guy. Well, the healing was work, Jesus was working. So one of the rabbis in one of the other scenarios says, hey, you got six days of the week to get your healing. Come on one of those days, not the Sabbath. Because we can't have God healing somebody. And to that, Jesus said, by the way, another time they tried to kill him. He says, by the way, my father's always working, and so am I. I'm working. If God shut down for a day, We'd be in trouble. <laughs> so he's saying, "You're all hung up. No working. No working on the Sabbath. God's working. I'm working. The priests in the temples work. Come on, people. So which is it? You know?" And then uh, he he looks over at the guy. His stretch it out. So now this dude can totally talk his way out of a miracle right now. He's thinking. If I could, (laughs) I've been wanting to stretch it out for 32 years, and I I can't. That's why I'm the man with the withered hand, (laughs) all right? And he says, stretch it out. He's asking, listen, Christian, he's asking him to do something he cannot do in his own power. But because the man has faith, a little bit, and he takes God at his word, the command to do something he doesn't have the power to do, like love your wife, as Christ loved the church, love your enemies, uh, to pick up your cross and fall to say no to that besetting sin. You don't have the power to live. I I said last service, half the Christian life, I changed it to 100% of the Christian life. You don't have the power to be a true Christian. Just the moral obligations alone. But at Christ's commands, when he says, I command you, be ye holy. Oh, when the soul goes, Oh, I hear the Lord. And you kind of meet that, even though you don't know how to love your wife in that kind of sacrificial way, especially when you're not feeling like it. But you... lean. Sorry. <laughs> I saw a lot of elbows flying there. You lean in. You lean in. Say, I, I don't know how to stop liking that. It's bad for me. But I, I, in the name of ah. G- oh. That's when the weak thing is stretched out because what you're cooperating, God's enabling and you do what you could never do without him. And so he doesn't talk himself out. He just says, well, I I don't even know how that would oh, would what? <laughs> and there he's walking on water. He's doing the Christian life. He's living and loving his wife, if we're going to use the analogy. He's overcoming all of those sins. He's being nice to people who abuse him or take advantage of him. He's loving his enemies. Why? Because he's like, I don't know how to do this. And now you know, he's high-fiving that hand all over town. (laughs) and, and, And here's the difference. He grabs his wife's face with both. He picks up the baby. He's saying, look what God, look what God did for me. And he's hugging, he's embracing, he's picking things up, dropping it, picking it up, dropping it, picking it up. And what are the Pharisees doing? Let's kill him. Why? They're envious. They're jealous. Everybody loves Jesus. Nobody wants to buy their strings. (laughs) They're out of a job. (laughs) They're out of a job. Now listen. Oh, they're going to kill him. Oh, no, the bad guys are going to win. Oh, he's way ahead of the game. He's using them to kill him, (laughs) to offer himself. He said, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. He's using their free will. He's going to use them. He needed some bad guys in the story. He had a casting call. And some guys came in and said, yeah, I want to be the bad guy. You know, and he's like, are you sure? Let's, uh, let me try to talk you out of it. And he tried to talk them out of it. They said, you know, no, I'm going to be the bad guy, uh, guy to the end. And he said, OK, you got the part. Because I need some good bad guys to make it look like, oh, I'm being hauled in. But thus, no one takes the life of the Son of God. John chapter 10, he says the Son of God came to die. Jesus wasn't killed for his good work. Oh, no, he's such a good guy, they killed him. No, it was his good work to be killed. It was God's idea to offer him the whole time. And so they go out to do the thing. Even when Judas was doing his thing, he goes, friend, do what you came to do. Let's get this thing going. But it had to be on the Passover. So now we so we move sort of into communion time. It had to be on Passover. I told the man who was a Jew when I was sharing the gospel, did you know that Jesus died on Passover? And he said, no, I never understood that. He said, wow. Maybe somebody just said he died on Passover. And I said, no. He died on Passover. The bad guys did not want it to happen on Passover. They said, let's not kill him on Passover because it's a holiday and the people will riot because they all like the guy. But of course, even they didn't want to do it on Passover, but they had to do it on Passover because he's the Passover lamb. Back in the day, Death came. The 10th plague was death to all except who had blood of a lamb. Hello. On the door pulls. The The death would come and see the blood and say, well, somebody already died here. Done. Passed over. Next house. Oh, no blood. Somebody's going to die. Death. Next house. Oh, there's the blood. Somebody died. We don't need to strike. Death passes over. So for 1,400 years, they've been practicing. Get the blood, the death comes. Oh, you don't have to die. And that's why they have to kill him. And that's where they bring him. They bring him to the place of his appointment with the cross on Passover. On Passover. How do you do that? How do you arrange to the moment where you die so that nobody would miss it? I'm dying on Passover. It's the Passover lamb right here. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for making it very clear to anyone who wants to see the truth Anyone who wants to hear the truth, it's fairly simple, Lord. But when we have other issues and other desires and and distractions, uh, suddenly there's confusion and controversies and all of that. Father, help us to just take the clear meaning of your word as we see the gospel and be encouraged by it. We thank you, Lord, that it's not about rules and regulations, Lord, but... Uh, a worship that is born of love and a new life for goodness and mercy and grace and love. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.